Welcome to the Bright Spots Podcast, where we give a microphone to content experts and practitioners doing timely and innovative work to support students across the state of California and beyond. As always, I'm your host, SELPA Program Specialist Jeremiah Witten, and I'm here with my co-host, Program Coordinator Moises Buhain. In this month's episode titled High School Graduation and Pathways to the Post-Pandemic Workforce, we will be discussing the topic of high school graduation and all things transition-related with Transition Coordinator of Connecting Waters Charter, Rachel DeBryan, and Joyce Montgomery from the California Transition Alliance. It's my honor to introduce our first guest, Rachel DeBryan, Transition Coordinator at Connecting Waters Charter and founder of Ability-Centered Educational Resources. Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work supporting individuals in the area of high school transition? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me here. Any any opportunity to talk about transition is an awesome one. So um, I, I'm a special education teacher. I taught in grades 7 through 12 for, I think it's 13 years. Um, very early on in my career, I had a, a really strong interest for transition. I I just thought this idea of building education programs around student interests and future goals, that really resonated with me. And that, and that was a little bit different take on the IEPs that I was originally creating around student disabilities and deficits. So throughout all my years of teaching, most of my years, um, I, it's sad to say, but I really faked my way through transition. Eventually, I went on to earn a master's degree in special ed and administrative credential and went into administration because I thought I'd have uh, more opportunity to build programs on the research that I was doing and provide the teacher training that I felt I was always lacking. So when I started working for uh, Connecting Waters, their transition programs and teacher training were also very lacking, just like the district that I came from. So I I shared with them my passion for transition and asked for their support to to better their program. And they have an amazing supportive um, board and director there, and they gave me the go-ahead. And so I ended up spending uh, a little over a year digging into and researching, going to every single training I could find. And out of that year came a brand new, completely redesigned new perspective really on transition. And we, we basically built a program from the ground up, which included uh, transition assessments, transition classes, uh, a whole general ed component and extensive training for our staff. Um, And then one more thing, kind of on a separate, different note, I'm involved in transition through a nonprofit organization that I founded a couple years ago, which is dedicated to kind of everything transition, including research, effective practices, um, and training. So we provide a lot of extensive training to educators throughout California and to special ed attorneys, parents, um, all of that. We've even been certified as a non-public agency to provide transition services and have a lot of other projects we're working on. So I kind of wear two hats with regards to transition. Over the past several years, uh, we've seen a greater emphasis put on transition and preparing students with special needs for life after high school, which is encouraging. With over 20 years experience serving as a teacher and educator in the field of special ed, what's one thing you wish you would have known about this topic when you began your career? Well, one thing that comes to mind, and this doesn't necessarily have to do with transition specifically, But I wish I would have known or accepted the fact that I do not have to be the teacher of the year in my first year, or I don't have to write the perfect transition plan or the perfect IEP, um, or I don't have to be the teacher of the year for my second year or even my 10th year for that matter, that it's impossible to be a perfect teacher in every single way, especially in the field of special ed 
where we are required to juggle so many different balls at the same time. I mean, special ed teachers nowadays, I mean, we are, we're cross-curricular instructors. We're expert behavior analysts. We have to, you know, be experts at differentiated and scaffolded instruction. We have to manage support personnel. We have to be, you know, attorneys when we're writing legal documents, facilitate IME meetings, so much more. And I wish I would have instead in those first years just picked one or two areas to focus on and improve every year uh, and then not lose sleep over the areas that I was lacking. So speaking of one or two areas, I know one area that you really enjoy as a transition coordinator is being a trainer, right? So you do a lot of training statewide. You help districts and LEAs build high school transition programs. What are some of the common questions you're getting from the field? Um, Some of the challenges, opportunities? Why don't you share that with the listeners? Yes. So I have been doing transition trainings for several years across the state, Um, not only to educators, but interestingly, I've gotten just as many requests to do transition training for special ed attorneys and those attorneys that represent parents and students. And what's interesting is the number one question I get from teachers is the same question I get from attorneys. And it's this or, or some version of this that they always ask, what are transition skills? In other words, what really are those non-academic skills that students need to be successful as they transition from school into adulthood? And and that question is so, um, I hear it all the time because people know that if we can figure out the answer to that question, if we could really understand what makes a successful adult, successful, especially those with disabilities, if we could answer that question, then we could answer almost every other single transition question that comes up, like what are age-appropriate transition assessments? Again, if we knew what the most important transition skills are, then we would know what skills our transition assessments should be measuring, and then we would also know what to teach in our transition programs. But real quick, though, the second most common question I get, again, by both attorneys and educators, is what does a legally defensible transition plan or transition report look like? And this is becoming, again, one of the second most asked question, too, because we are seeing a surge of due process cases involving transition. Everybody, whether you're an educator or an attorney, you want to know what a successful plan is. You want to know uh, that you, you can be confident if you're going into court, if there's a disagreement, you can be confident that what you wrote and your findings are are uh, meaningful and legal. Um, and there's really a lot of decisions and conclusions coming from the court regarding uh, transition that has really helped to clarify what our plans and reports Uh, what they should look like, what they shouldn't include, and so forth. So again, to get that training, we got some workshops on that, and you can come too. Absolutely. I will definitely be there. I have many loved ones and friends who've been teachers through the COVID-19 pandemic, and for many of them, teaching has been extremely difficult and frankly, at times, uh, discouraging. With teachers bouncing between distance learning, hybrid classrooms, while all navigating the same stresses and fears we've all experienced, As a transition coordinator, you get to see our students mature, grow, and cross that finish line into adulthood. What advice would you give someone who may be discouraged or have a difficult time seeing that right now? That is so true, Jeremiah. I I get 
asked a lot um, about whether or not I would recommend somebody go to, going into to education, especially special education. And a lot of times you do hear people say, don't do it. It is a tough, tough job. And we know that um, the, the burnout rate is really high. So I get that question. I get the, the um, trepidation that teachers may have in their first couple years. And um, But what I would say to them is, no matter how stressful it is, it is a stressful um, job, especially in this time. Um, but what I would say is that hold, hold fast because the reward is great, especially in special education. Um, we can see such dramatic changes in our students. And especially when you get the privilege, like I have of working with students in their end years of high school, and you see this tremendous growth, you see somebody who started education, you know, in elementary or junior high school with such a kind of a, a, a bad um, identity, they, they see themselves through their disability and their weaknesses. But by the time, especially in their for their good transition program, and you're really doing strength based transition planning, they're starting to see themselves as their strengths, their potential, they start changing their views of what their future might hold. And so when you get at the end of that year and that senior year, and they're really starting to plan their future, the reward of being a teacher and seeing the impact that you can have on, on lives is, is so worth it. So I would say stick with it. The reward is great. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you, Rachel. You know, one of my favorite prior roles was being a school counselor. And I always enjoyed throughout the state of California, whether what, you know, what charter school I was employed at or what district, that graduation day or just that day when they walk across and you see their families and you see the amount of joy and then just that sense of pride the entire school community feels, there's nothing like it. And to get us there, we know it really does take a team. And, and you've been a practitioner right. for a while. What resources would you recommend really for families, for teachers and school administrators to deepen that knowledge um, and really think about transition supports? Uh, yeah, I, I have been collecting resources on transition, you know, all of these years. And surprising to some, there are a ton of resources out there. Um, in fact, new transition resources are being created and distributed daily. And, and really the tough part is just wading through it all and trying to figure out and find something that is relevant and usable for a particular need. Uh, but one of the things that um, I do through the nonprofit is I collect all of these resources and I share them for free um, on our website. Um, so it's, like I said, a compilation of all these resources. I mean, there's transition guides, there's research, there's, there's free assessments, free curriculum, parent resources, community resources, literally hundreds of resources. And I use, usually reserve access to those padlets to uh, those who come to my workshops. However, I'm happy to share access to those padlets uh, to your listeners today. Um, they can access those padlets by going to my website. I know that these will be... Um, linked uh, in, in uh, along with the podcast as well. But my website is simple. It's just abilityeducation.org, O-R-G. Um, if, if your listeners go there and click on the resources tab, uh, then they can access any Padlet with the code workshop. And it's all free resources for them. Um, and then beyond that, I would say the best transition resources is training. 
Um, and as, as we kind of talked about already, I conduct training throughout the state. We, we've got a series of workshops lined up for this next year. Um, I would say it's probably the most comprehensive transition training that I, I have seen, and that's what we're doing this year. So if anybody's interested in those, in those um, workshops, again, and a lot of resources will be shared even above and beyond what's on um, the Padlets, uh, anybody is more than welcome to come and they can find more information about that on my website as well. Well, that makes me smile. You heard it here first. Listeners have exclusive access to a specially curated transition resource jackpot there. So really excited for that. And we'll also link that in the show notes for you. What's one thing that made you smile at work over the past few months? Well, as I sit here, it's just at the beginning of June, which meant our school year ended last week. So the end of the school year brings a smile to my face, just like the students uh, but really, it's it's for more reasons than one. And one of those reasons is because at the end of the school year, I always have my students complete a survey on which they reflect on their learning and any big takeaways from their transition class. So um, I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I teach uh, 12 different transition classes throughout the month and from ninth grade to 12th grade. Um, and so reading those surveys at the end of the year always brings a, a smile to my face and really a smile to my heart, really. Students write about how they learn so much about themselves and they start seeing themselves through their strengths rather than their weaknesses or disabilities. They write about, I had one girl that was just so, uh, it was so moving. She wrote about how she never imagined or even wanted to go to college until taking my class and discovered that there are amazing educational opportunities and supports um, and even rights that they're enabled to, or that they're ha- they have access to at college. Um, And now some of those students who never imagined college are now college bound because they have that realization. They have a realization that that they can do it, that there are supports, that there are opportunities, um, that they do have abilities and talents that that, uh, they can grow in college. Well, thank you so much. Frankly, my mind is blown. Just amazing resources, very inspiring um, testimonies of your life and career. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Special thanks to Rachel for joining us. Moises, can you introduce our next guest for the show today? I sure can, Jeremiah. I'm excited to introduce Joyce Montgomery. Joyce is a transition program supervisor with Vallejo City Unified School District, a California Transition Alliance member, and an adjunct instructor and curriculum developer for equity and diversity at Turo University. Joyce, tell us a little bit about yourself and the California Transition Alliance. Sure. So let me start off by sharing about the California Transitional Alliance. So it was formed in 2002 by Sue Sawyer, who is the current president of the Alliance. In 2005, it was then incorporated as a nonprofit organization, which mission is to provide information, tools, and resources that can be shared with teachers and parents and educators and other transition partners throughout the state of California. So I became involved with the Alliance many years ago as a workability practitioner I have since participated as part of the leadership with the California State Team, representing California with the National Technical Center on Transition Capacity Building Institute, as well as managing our transition programs with the Vallejo City Unified School District. Um, I also teach at Truro University in the Teacher Preparation Program, teaching a course with a focus on special education secondary transition. Uh, I have authored and co-authored several publications, including co-authoring a book chapter in the text, The Road Ahead, Transition to Adult Life for Persons with Disabilities. 
this is a text that is used by Truro University and other universities for their special education transition-based programming. Wow, that is quite impressive. Is that all that you do? You're an author, a college professor, a teacher, a transition coordinator, and a thousand other things. That is wild. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to be uh, learning from you, and I know our listeners are as well. So one of the student groups most impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic may have been the 2020-2021 graduating classes. They faced, you know, the restricted job market, difficulty securing internships, and then not to mention the social-emotional consequences of living through a pandemic as you're coming of age. What are some potential roadblocks our graduating students have faced, and what are some ways we can address them in education and, and beyond as just a society? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It You know, it's true that, you know, our students missed out on a lot of activities that they normally would have participated in. You know, however, you know, we did find that there were some great opportunities uh, that came out of this virtual world. There were some uh, employment opportunities also in some essential businesses, whereas before some of those opportunities were taken <clears throat> by older workers, Um, such as uh, jobs in grocery stores and other types of um, services that were essential during uh, the time of the pandemic shutdowns. Also, we had opportunities for our students to participate in virtual work experience opportunities and to try out working virtually. Um, We had one Creative County Office of Education developed a work site uh, for a school-based business that included a county car facility detailing business where students had opportunities to go and participate to learn how to detail a car. And it also benefited the County Office of Education as they were able to have their fleet of cars cleaned. Definitely want to agree that there was a lot of challenges, but there were also a lot of successes that opened up a lot of interesting pathways for the future for our students. That's right, Joyce. Speaking of successes and learning, you know, they often say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? If you can <laughs> yeah. go back in time and tell your first year educator self something about working with young adults, what would you say? Mm. Well, I would definitely say that this is going to be a challenging field. Um, and I would also say that it was it's going to be very rewarding and that I would never, ever regret this decision. Um, While I hope to see that there will be more progress in the field when I started out, um, I have seen that there has been a lot of changes that have occurred that may not be reflected in our current data. However, we do see that there's opportunities for students, particularly with intellectual disabilities, such as the Redwood Seeds program at UC Davis and the Competitive Integrated Employment MOU with the major state agencies in California to promote employment first for youth with disabilities. Do you have any specific go-to resources you'd like to share with our listeners to help them support students and staff in effective transition planning and support? Yes. The California Transition website itself has so many great resources and links. So definitely, I recommend going there and taking a look. Some of the workbooks, such as I Can Work, I Know I Can, the videos for Let's Work California, which were done by youth are great examples of how our youth can lead the way into employment. Uh, Another great resource is the California Career Zone, the California Career Center, which is on the CDE website, the Transition California resources from the Thompson Policy Institute at Chapman College, the INTACT and the WINTACT website, both national websites uh, that have excellent resources, best practices in the field of transition. 
Disability 101 for Disability Benefits Planning, and JAN, the Job Accommodation Network, a great resource to be able to help our practitioners to be able to think of accommodations that can help support students in job sites, regardless of the student's disabilities. Thank you so much. We'll make sure we get all of those resources into our show notes so the listeners will be able to access links uh, to those moving forward. And speaking of resources, uh, you shared quite a bit, and we know that there are many factors that contribute to how our youth really successfully thrive as adults. What would you say the most important thing for our listeners Uh, What is it that they need to know about supporting students during their transition to adult life? I would say person-centered planning, along with career action planning, is key to success. So really starting where that student is, where the family is. So having that picture with the student at the center and then creating an actionable plan that has steps to accomplish that is how we can help our students to be the most successful. And we have to keep in mind that all of our students have hopes and dreams. All of our students are worth the effort of the work, even when it's challenging and complicated. Um, All of our students need us to be there to support and connect them to support for their future. So switching gears, my first year of teaching, I had a mentor named Tanya Ricketts who spent countless hours teaching me how to teach, even though I think at the time I probably thought I knew everything already. And so I still find myself drawing on many of the things Tanya taught me all these years later. Could you share about an individual or two who greatly impacted your career in some way? Yes, absolutely. So my first year in education, which was about 30 years ago, was in a middle school. Um, then called SH, Severely Handicapped Classroom. The students in that class taught me why equity and access is so important for students with disabilities and that every student matters. Um, Some of the unforgettable moments for me in that class, I had uh, one student who was diagnosed with Down syndrome and he felt confident to share with me in a whisper one day, you know, I'm not handicapped. Uh, There was another student who had grandma seizures, and one day it was was particularly bad, and she had been having seizures um, every few minutes. And we hadn't noticed that another student was very upset and was in a corner of the classroom. And at one point when this student became more lucid, she realized that her classmate was there in the corner where none of us had. And she went over and put her arms around him and hugged him and said, you know, it's going to be okay. And to me, it was where I really understood that all of our students had hopes. They had dreams. They, we had, we should be supporting them. We should be providing them whatever they needed to be successful. Um, And so I continue to do this work in their honor and all of the students that deserve our very best. So excited to have Joyce and Rachel join us for this month's episode. Don't forget to check out our show notes for all of the reference links and resources. And feel free to visit our website at charterselpa.org to access additional special education resources and our upcoming professional learning opportunities. You can subscribe to the Charter Selpa Bright Spots podcast on the iPhone podcast app and Spotify, and feel free to leave a five-star rating and review if you liked our episode today. The Bright Spots crew, Charter Selpa, and the whole El Dorado County Office of Education team, thank you for listening.